Turn your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4, 1 through 9. We've been expositing this now the last two weeks. Joy and thanksgiving from Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Joy and thanksgiving are base level fundamental Christian truths. Base level fundamental Christian truths that really aren't just truths of Scripture. They are the base level fundamental disposition of the Christian. Joy and thanksgiving. All the world wants joy, but they don't have a clue about thanksgiving. Thus, they'll call the holiday we know as Thanksgiving, they'll call it things like Turkey Day. Turkey Day. Friends, it's not Turkey Day, it's Thanksgiving. Turkey Day ought not really come forth from a Christian's mouth. Now, if you're being facetious and having fun, I'll not condemn you as a heretic or burn you out back. Um, But it's Thanksgiving. We are recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from above and the greatest gift of all the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation through Him. It's thanksgiving. And we as a people who have received the grace of God and the gifts of repentance and faith and salvation in Jesus Christ should be a thankful people. And our joy springs forth from that thanksgiving for what God has done. On our very worst day on planet earth, as Christians, we are thankful that we are saved. We are thankful that we're not going to hell, which our sins deserve. And we're thankful that we are going to heaven, which is only by the unmerited favor of God, the unmerited grace of God and mercy of God. Remember, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, and mercy is God giving, not giving us what we do deserve, and we are recipients of both grace and mercy and abundance through Christ Jesus. And so our base level, fundamental Christian disposition is one of joy born out of our thanksgiving for so great a salvation in Christ Jesus. And then, on top of that, as if we needed more to compel us to joy, and thanksgiving, we recognize as Christians that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We recognize as Christians that every manifestation of kindness and love and consideration that we receive from our fellow man, Christian or non-Christian, friend or stranger, family member or person on the street is a kindness of God to us. We recognize that every, every bit of intellectual power that we might have or think that we have, is a gift of God. Every ability, whether it's athletic or, or a strong back for work, is a gift of God. We recognize that our uh, economic opportunities, our educational opportunities, our freedoms, all gifts of God. We recognize that our homes and our cars and our bank accounts and our wallets and our clothing and our silly posturpedic mattresses all gifts of God. We recognize that heat and air conditioning set on a button. And if you're in your car, each individual seat now, even the back seats, right, have their own individual little habitat. I don't know if I can call that a gift of God. We're so spoiled, right? That might be a curse. It plays into our self-love. But we are so amazingly blessed by God. We as Christian people, need to recognize every day, all day long, every morsel of food that goes into our mouth is a gift of God. That's why we bow our heads and give thanks. Gifts of God abound around us. Every breath, every heartbeat as sinners, right? 
The, the first breath we should have breathed was sulfur, but we breathed oxygen, and we breathed a lot of oxygen until finally we, we breathe our first breath of repentant and faith and regenerated air, if you will, as new creatures in Christ. God was patient, patient. Every day we blasphemed Him. Every day we denied Him. Every day we sinned against Him. And still He's patient with us. Every sin we do is cosmic treason. Even now, it's cosmic treason against our great God and our Savior, Christ Jesus, who is our King. Oh, saints, joy and thanksgiving is the fundamental Christian disposition. May we learn of it again this day. From Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Philippians 4, 1 through 9. A bit of recap, first point in this series. Joy in and thanksgiving for imperfect saints. Look around you. These are imperfect saints. Go ahead and raise your hand if you're one of them. Yeah, imperfect saints. And yet you're to have joy in and to give thanksgiving for imperfect saints because we are all imperfect saints. We are being perfected, washed with the water of the Word, renewed in our mind, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, but we are imperfect saints. Paul the Apostle writes, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Odia, I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul the apostle calls them twice over beloved. These saints of Philippi are beloved. They are precious and dear to him. They are beloved. That's his heart disposition toward them. They're imperfect, I guarantee you, just like every church has been since Christ came, suffered, died, and rose again. Just like every church Paul has to write to and bring correction to, this is an imperfect church, but they are loved by the Apostle Paul in all their perfections, and we need to have that same Spirit-filled heart, beloved and longed for, brethren. Not just, you know, I love you over there. Just stay away from me. (laughs) Just over there across the aisle, right? Now, if some of you are sitting on a certain side, you know, to avoid those on the other side, I urge you to repent with action and truth next week. Go sit right by him. Put your arm around him, right? Um, no, let's not divide the church. You know, you're a south side Christian, right? <laughs> no, my beloved and long for, brethren, long for. I delight to be with the saints of God. You delight in being with the saints of God. That should be our heart disposition. Beloved and longed for, brethren, my joy, my joy. The saints of God are meant to be your joy. If they're not, I I urge you, pray to God that He would change your heart, that your saints, your brothers and sisters in Christ would be beloved to you, would be longed for by you, and would be a source of joy for you. Now, some of us need to work harder to be a source of joy, right? We need to work harder to be a source of joy, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And at times, goats slip into the body of Christ. They're not sheep, and goats are not sources of joy. Goats bite, and they bring in goat food, and they they try to poison sheep with goat food. And No, the sheep of the Lord's fold need the the precious, nutritious Word of God. And so that, that can happen. Yet nevertheless, by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, we want this heart, the heart that sees the saints of God, the church of Jesus Christ as beloved, that longs to be with them as brothers and sisters in Christ, that considers them joy, and the Apostle Paul as the one who ministered the gospel unto them, a crown. 
a crown. They're his crown. But in a similar way, as iron sharpens iron, um, the saints around you can be part of your crown as you encourage them in love and good works. You're not the Apostle Paul. Uh, most of you aren't elders, uh, but you all are ministers one to another of God's truth, iron sharpening iron. And so you'll be part of each other's crowns. You walk together in faith saying, follow me as I follow Christ, or hey, let's run together side by side in the service of our King. Verse 2, I implore these two dear women who are not getting along so much to be of the same mind in the Lord, whether it's men, women, young people, older people, uh, different generations, we're, we're to be united in the Lord of one mind together for His glory. And notice verse 3, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. Men, women, all of us, united together, laboring for the gospel. One heart, one mind, striving, striving in service to our King for the furtherance of the gospel in the earth. He calls them his fellow workers, his fellow workers. We're laboring the gospel together. We're fellow workers for the glory of Christ and the redemption of souls to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of our fellow workers were with me yesterday on the street in Portland, laboring for the gospel. Some of you prayed that's still laboring for the gospel. Some of you tithe. I hope all Christians tithe ultimately, but that's laboring in the gospel all together all together laboring in the gospel of Jesus Christ, united for that great mission. Christ Jesus came into the world to seek and to save the lost. United together, common mission. Joy in and thanksgiving for imperfect saints. Secondly, joy in and thanksgiving for a perfect God. Praise God, you can elevate your eyes off of the imperfect saints onto God who is perfect And verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. And I could get stuck there a really long time. You can go back and catch the previous week's messages on that. But rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's where you need to park your heart, mind, and soul. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Life is going to throw things at you. God's providence is going to throw things at you. Perfectly designed for your blessing. Nothing is coming your way that God doesn't mean to bless you ultimately, to increase your faith and your hope and love. Some of those blessings are going to hurt. And humanly speaking, if I could remove them from you, I would. But that wouldn't be good for you. It wouldn't be good for you. And so God, as the perfect Father, loves His children. He's going to bring blessings. Some of them are going to be hard. But we're to fix our eyes on the Lord and find our peace and our joy in Him. For the Lord is always always, always pouring out His love upon us. We are His children. He is our perfect Father. And He loves us perfectly. Perfectly. However well your father loved you, maybe your father only had one good day in his whole entire life of fatherhood where he kind of loved you and you felt it. Um, Whatever the perfect moment of your father's love toward you, that's just the tiniest touch of God's perfect love, the tiniest foretaste of God's perfect love for you, His child, and it will be forever It will be forever. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. God should be our continual source of joy. His love for us, His perfections, His glories. In Sunday school, you're missing it, some of you. You're missing it. We're looking at the perfections of God. And at the end of today's Sunday school, I said, well, I had fun. I did have fun. I did have fun. Why? Because we're looking at the perfections of God. And it's glorious. It's fun. It's awesome. It's it's wonderful. It, It delights my soul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Again. This is a command of God to rejoice in the Lord. 
if we don't have joy in the Lord, it's sin. We need to repent of that. We need to get our eyes off self, eyes off circumstances, and eyes on to the Lord. And the Lord is always at perfect peace. The Lord's will is always coming to pass ultimately. Ephesians 1.11, he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And all things, all things are going to what end? What is everything working toward? The glory of God. The glory of God. God will be glorified. He will be glorified. His glory will be manifest in His grace and mercy upon those who repent and confess Christ as Lord. And His glory will be manifest in His judgment and wrath upon those who do not. But God will be glorified. Now, I didn't mean to separate the church with that. (laughs) Those hand gestures. But God will be glorified in all that is. Why did He create the heavens and earth? In order that Christ might come and suffer and die for sinners. And the cross, the cross is the manifest glory of God. His grace, mercy, kindness, and love, and His judgment and wrath and holiness poured out right there in the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. God will be glorified. Look to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look to the cross. Look to the empty tomb. Look to heaven to come. Look to the glory of God and the heaven to come and the promise of God, your Father, to wipe away every tear. Fix your eyes there. Press on, dear saints, in faith. Joy in and thanksgiving for a perfect God. And then, in verse 5, joy and thanksgiving in discipline, determined graciousness. Verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. You're not going to have joy and thanksgiving. You're not going to have peace if you're creating a ruckus with your fellow human beings, if you're sinning against your fellow man, if you're sinning against your wife, husband, father, mother, sister, brother, neighbor, boss, co-workers, you're not going to have peace because God has given you this wonderful thing called a conscience. Romans 2 speaks of it. He's written his law on your conscience and your conscience will torment you in your sin. And that's a good thing because it's telling you danger, danger, you're going the wrong way. There's a cliff coming, destruction, destruction, turn back. And so you need to repent. You need to cease your sin against your fellow man. The highest commandment is to love the Lord your God. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. When we don't love our neighbors ourselves and we're sinning against our neighbor, we're going to have guilt. We're going to have suffering, pain of heart, mind, and conscience, and we will lack peace. So much of the world's seeking of peace is found outside of righteousness, is found outside of love of God, love of neighbor, and they'll never find peace outside of love of God and love of neighbor. It's a futile effort. And they continue to live a self-centered existence, not fixing their eyes on the Lord and rejoicing in Him always, not loving their fellow saints and fellow man, the lost, and they suffer for it. But the Word of God says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. It's kind of a threat. The Lord is watching. He's omnipresent and He knows your deeds. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determined graciousness. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be kind to my neighbor. I'm going to let the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control be manifest. By the grace of God, through prayer, I'm going to put the, put the death of the flesh and live in the Spirit, the power of the Spirit and that Fruit, have that fruit be abundant. If that fruit is not abundant in your life, it's because you're living in the flesh and not the Spirit. And we all live in the flesh sometimes, and sometimes we live in the flesh much of the time. And we need to repent and cry out to God 
Seek Him in His Word, that His Word would renew our minds. Seek Him in prayer, that the Spirit would reign in us, and not the flesh, not our own carnal desires and appetites. Next, joy and thanksgiving and disciplined, determined faith. Joy and thanksgiving and disciplined, determined faith. Verses 6 and 7. And we left off in this last time. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I, I preached this fairly well last week, and I'll just say fairly well. I was a little sick. Those sweet granddaughters, they, they got me. They got me. And so I was kind of preaching through mud in my head. I don't know how it came or landed out in the pew, like I was throwing mud at you probably. Um, but in my head, that's how it felt. And so I do want to uh, preach through this a bit again before we go on to new ground. But joy and thanksgiving and discipline determined faith. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. And so that's a command of God. That's a command of God. It's not an option. Hey, if you'd like, be anxious for nothing. Take it or leave it. No, that's a command of God. Be anxious for nothing. And so if God commands it, what do we know? We can, in the strength of God, do it. We can, through the power of the Spirit, experience that. Be anxious for nothing. This is attainable through the power of the Spirit of God. This is attainable if we'll die to self. This is attainable if we'll crucify the flesh and live unto Christ. Be anxious for nothing. It's attainable if we'll believe God, that God is sovereign in everything. And that He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. And that He's working all things for the good of those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. Be anxious for nothing. This is possible if we'll adopt a biblical worldview that this, this is just a brief time here on earth that we have. And we're just, we're just passing through. We're just pilgrims on the way through and we're going to glory, we're going to eternity. And it's eternity that we will have our best life. Best life later. It's in eternity that we'll have our best life. Right? You might need to write it on your hand. Best life later. It's not now. It's not now. Burn your best life now books and burn it out of your heart with the truth of God's word. Best life later. This, if this is your best life, oh my. You know, aching back, aching elbows, aching knees. You know, kids. I mean, kids, yeah. <laughs> sinners, all of them. Husbands, sinner, wretched sinner. Wife, she sins too occasionally. Sinners, right? All around us. Everywhere we go, sinners sinning. This is not our best life now. It's just not. And, and your wife can't make you gloriously happy. The songs are lies. Your husband can't make you wonderfully happy every day of your life. It's a lie. I, maybe your husband can. I don't know. My wife can't. Um, it's a lie. The songs are lies. But you know what? You will have perfect joy forever in glory. And you want to get your wife there and your husband there and your kids there and your friends there and your neighbors there and that that boss, yeah, even him, you want him to be there. And our joy will be full in glory in heaven to come where there's no more sin, no more pain, no more death, no more tears. Be anxious for nothing by fixing your eyes upon that day and not expecting, right? We have false expectations when we think that our best life is now. 
and every day is a Friday, and we're just going to wake up every day, and the birds are going to be singing outside your window. Frankly, I hate it. Waking me up before I meant to wake up. Uh, if I'm awake, it's great. It's great, mind you. Uh, but we've got these pterodactyl birds as of late, and they're not singing so much as attacking my house, and I've got to get my scope uh, set. It's, 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 it's not working so well. Anyhow, uh, side note, side note. Be anxious for nothing, right? Which doesn't mean you, you can't whack the bird destroying your house. Uh, but don't lose your mind over it, right? Don't lose your mind over the bird. Uh, just do your duty there. Be anxious for nothing. So all the things that you would be anxious about, right? Now, there are things that are rightly... Um, calling for concern, things that justly demand, necessarily demand to be dealt with. Um, So you're concerned about it, Uh, you recognize that's not good, Uh, you recognize that's terrible, Um, but you're not going to descend into anxiety. You're not going to abide in anxiety over it. You're not going to abide in worry over it. Recognizing that a situation isn't good, um, uh, actions weren't good, words weren't good, whatever this, this thing isn't good, uh, that, that is good. Right? You need to be aware of what's going on around you. Don't, don't pretend there is nothing wrong in a fallen world. And don't pretend there's nothing wrong going on that needs to be dealt with. That's delusional. The Bible's not commanding delusion. It's commanding us not to be anxious, not to worry about these things, but rather to commit them unto the Lord who is sovereign in all of the events of our life and the events of this cosmos and this nation and this state and this city and your job and your household and your finances and your car and every detail of your life. So be anxious for nothing. So you got to take everything that you would be anxious about or have been anxious about or are anxious about and put it out of the category of anxiety because the Lord commands you to be anxious for nothing. So you don't have the right to put anything in that category. You've got to take it all out. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. So if you're not going to be anxious about anything, what are you going to do with it? You've got to do something with it. So you take it all out of that category and you put it over in this category. Everything, everything by prayer and supplication. Everything by prayer and supplication. What is anxiety? Everything over in the anxiety section that you're anxious about, you're worried about, you're fretting over, that is unbelief. That is not faith, that's anti-faith. You're worried as if you've got the whole world in your hands and suddenly you feel like the world's slipping. You were juggling it, it was going well, and it dropped, right? Well, God has the whole world in His hands. He's got it all. He's got it all. He is sovereign in it all. And He is good. And you are a child of God. And He has set His love upon you. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So you take it all out of the anxiety category. And you've now actively taken it out of the anxiety category. You've you've disowned anxiety. You've repented of anxiety. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to set all that out. But instead, I'm going to actively engage myself in prayer, exercising faith. I'm going to exercise faith. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God that He loves me and that he's working all things according to the counsel of his will, 
and is working all things for my good, for His glory. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. I'm, I'm going to get far away from anxiety and anxiousness and fear and worry. I'm going to get far away from it by coming over here and exercising faith in prayer, and then I'm going to move one step further from anxiety and fear and worry all the way over into thanksgiving. That's a command of God to be thankful. And I'm going to exercise myself. I'm going to discipline my mind and my heart to be thankful. And I'm going to find the things that the Lord had happened to be thankful for. I'm going to find the blessings in my life, in my day, in this hour. I'm going to find those blessings by concentrating on them, by fixing my mind upon them, the manifest blessings in my life. They're there. They're there. But I can choose to be over here anxious and worried and looking at every bad thing in the world and every bad thing on the news and every bad thing on the internet and every bad thing in my past and every bad thing in your past. Or I can actively choose not to be anxious, repent of that, Nothing in the anxiety category, everything in the faith category, prayer category, giving it to the Lord, praying to the Lord. There are situations that need to be prayed about. Oh yeah, bad stuff. Lord, please give me wisdom how to deal with this. Lord, uh, change their heart, change the situation for your glory. I pray, grant them repentance, uh, grant this state repentance, this nation repentance. I mean, there's lots of things to pray about, but that's a faith category, not a worry category. And then we go one step further over to thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that you've got the whole world in your hands. Thank you that you've got all these details. Thank you, Lord, that I, I know I'm not informing you, <laughs> that you knew all this before I ever began to pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you are bringing to pass your will perfectly. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for his love. Thank you for his blood. Thank you for his resurrection. Thank you, oh Lord, for his mediatorial role at your right hand. Thank you for the glory of the gospel. Thank you for your word, the truth that I might know you and love you and serve you. Thank you for my imperfect kids and the opportunity to love them with action and truth. And and even that perfecting me, right, as a father, as a mother, part of the Lord's plan to perfect me by ministering to them in the role of father, mother. Thank you for imperfect coworkers, sinful coworkers, even unregenerate coworkers, that I might love them with action and truth and point them to Christ, that I might be sanctified. Last night, we, we stopped for gas on the way home from the gingerbread throwdown. Stopped for gas, and the guy behind us lost his mind. He got out of the car, he yelled at the gas station attendant, and then he cursed and he slammed his door because he wasn't getting service fast enough at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night. And, and this young high school age kid comes over and he's he's cheerful and he's getting our gas and he got our gas before he got his gas and uh, I just said hey you know don't don't sweat that my friend you know uh, customer service is uh, character training it's good for you it's good stuff don't worry about that he said no it's all cool it's all good yeah <laughs> I've, I've learned to ignore that that's that's great that's good and uh, we gave him a gospel tract and and tried to love on him a bit there. But point being, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That young man, not a believer as far as I could tell, was acting like a believer. How sad when non-believers act more like believers than we do. He just smiled. 
Gave the guy good service as far as I could tell. Although, he, I don't know, he might have been smiling a little bigger when he came over and put the nozzle in our car first. <laughs> then when he went over to his car. Um, but, saints, let's not be outdone by a high school gas station attendant being abused by some jerk, right? He returned grace for ugliness. And in general, that's what we're to do. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Return grace for ugliness. To be thankful for opportunities to turn the other cheek even. Now, there are situations that need to be addressed, and I nearly addressed the situation behind me. (laughs) I I wasn't going to let him abuse the young man. If he had gone on to, I would have gotten out of the car and talked to him. And said, you know, man to man, why don't we talk about this? Is this really good behavior out here tonight? <laughs> this, this young attendant, you know, dealing with like 15 cars by himself, it would seem. You know, if you want to get mad at somebody, go in and talk to the manager. Talk to him. That would be more reasonable. So, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You want to get out of the anxiety category. And by the way, what did you ever gain through all that anxiousness? What did you ever gain? What did all that anxiety ever accomplish? Nothing except heartburn, heart disease, uh, mental maladies. Get out of there. Get out of there. Stop. The Lord has not given you the right to be full of all sorts of fear and worry and anxiety. He always commands you to get out of there. Get over here into the faith category and pray and give it to God and express your faith in prayer. And then go one step further to thanksgiving and find the blessings, even in the hardships, but find the blessings that are real. If you can't find the blessings of hardship, stop thinking about the hardship and fix your eyes on the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice and have thanksgiving. Fix your eyes upon Christ, upon His cross, upon His death, His burial, His resurrection, His gospel. Fix your eyes upon the Word. Fix your eyes upon heaven. Fix your eyes on all of those blessings that come down from the Father unto you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let your requests be made known to God. You know, we, we get anxious and we usually start telling everybody around us. Right? Well, certainly there is some level of uh, justification for talking to others for counsel or encouragement. You know, I got this situation I'm dealing with. What do you think? You know, counsel, encouragement. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's reasonable. But be careful you're not just spreading your anxiety, spreading your lack of faith. Be careful that's not your habit of life. You want to repent of that because you want to make your request known to God more than men. You know what? Every time something bad goes on in your life, you call mom, you know, call dad, uh, call your neighbor, call your best buddy. You need to go to God first. Now, there's no one in here today and no one currently in the church that comes to mind, so I'm not thinking of any of you. But there have been folks in 20 years of pastoring that that it seems like they call the pastor, right? Um, I'm not God. (laughs) Um, I'm not God. And you have a mediator, Jesus Christ. Go to him. Go to him. And then it may be reasonable to get some counsel and talk to the pastor, by all means, but go to Christ. Go to God through Christ, the one mediator between God and men first, before you go to any other man. If you're tempted to be anxious about something, if something is real serious and it's gripping you, go to God with it through Christ Jesus, the one mediator between God and men. 
He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, waiting to hear you, his blood-bought one, his purchased one, his doulos, cry out to him. Let your request be made known to God. Verse 7, here's the glory, here's the promise. And let me challenge you, don't blaspheme it. Don't blaspheme it. Here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a promise of God. If we'll repent of giving ourselves permission to be anxious about everything, and instead be anxious for nothing, and exercise faith in everything by prayer and supplication, and then to exercise further faith with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a promise of God, and it's true. It's true. I I put it to the test in some pretty serious situations of duress in my Christian life. Um, And it's true, gloriously true. Believe God. Obey God. Obeying God starts with believing God. Believe God. Obey God. And you will see the truth. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding. It's not the peace of God. God's going to give you health and wealth, right? It's not word of faith. It's not a word of faith promise in Philippians 4, verse 7. Word of faith promise, charismatic promise. Uh, Name it and claim it. Call down that blessing. Tell that wallet you're fat with money. Tell that bank account you're full of cash. That's not it, saints. It's peace that surpasses understanding. Surpasses. Uh, You may very well have reaped the whirlwind of your financial irresponsibility or your lack of work or integrity at work. You may have reaped that. But through repentance and faith in Christ, you can still have peace knowing you're forgiven and now you're getting back up and and reworking the plan, right? (laughs) Reworking the plan. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the peace of God. It's not the peace that mama gave you. It's not the peace your papa gave you. It's not your peace your best friend gave you, consoling you in often very earthly ways. Oh, it's all right. It'll work out. Maybe it won't. This is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This is a glorious thing. This is a God-glorifying thing. And by the way, some of the reasons that God allows hardships in our lives is in order to teach us to seek God, that we would learn the peace of God. When everything is going great and the sun is shining, those birds are singing, not to wake you up, but just a happy song midday, we can naturally experience peace, but it's not necessarily the peace of God and it's not giving God the full glory. It's when the storm clouds come and the lightning strikes your house and it bursts into flames. And you have the peace of God, which surpasses understanding that God is glorified. And so those times of difficulty and hardship, those people of difficulty and hardship, are designed by God to increase our faith, our hope, and love, and to glorify God as we exercise that faith in prayer and thanksgiving and experience then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Not peace because our circumstances have changed, but peace because our heart has changed and because we have fixed our eyes upon the Lord and our faith is in Him, our perfect Father, who is working all things according to the counsel of His will for His glory. 
And even if we can't see how this is good, we know that he works all things for the good of those who love him. And so we trust him because we believe him. Thus the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And even if we, if we can't find peace in the circumstances, so to speak, we're, we're finding peace in Christ's victory over sin and Satan and death at the cross and the certain hope of heaven. The certain hope of heaven. We're, we're finding peace in um, our best life later. That's a good motto, by the way. You start getting anxious start feeling down about circumstances, remind yourself, best life later. (laughs) My best life is later. It's coming and it's forever. It is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever that you will have perfect peace, not just that surpasses understanding, which is amazing and glorious and real and you can have it, but perfect peace in a place of perfect peace, a new heavens and new earth in which only righteousness dwells. There'll be nothing to disturb peace. Nothing because there'll be no sin. And so the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. What's your heart? When you think of heart, you think of emotions, right? It'll guard your emotions, how you feel, your ups and downs. You know, are you up and down emotionally? Then heed the counsel of God and He'll steady that out. He'll guard your heart so you're not sinking into despair with circumstances, and then shooting through the roof with other circumstances. You're on a roller coaster of emotions. When things are going good, you're happy. When things are going bad, you're down. They call that clinically bipolar. Bipolar. But it's just, ultimately, you're on a roller coaster of sin. You're you're disobeying God. You're not appropriating the resources of God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. It'll guard your emotions. You are not a slave to your emotions. You are responsible for your emotions. And your emotions are to be brought beneath the lordship of Christ, the kingship of Christ. That's true for all of us. All of our being belongs beneath the kingship of Christ. Bring it there. Don't give yourself permission to feel whatever you want to feel. I don't think your wife wants you to feel whatever you want to feel, husband, about the neighbor lady. I don't think your husband wants you to feel whatever you want to feel to your wife about that construction worker. Yuck. He's so dirty. Well, you can feel that. But we're we're not to give rain to our hearts. And you can see that when it comes to like adulterous affairs, right? But in every area of life, we're not to give rein to our hearts, emotions. Our emotions are to be brought beneath God and the truth of God. He will guard your hearts and minds. Minds. If you live long enough outside of God's truth, outside of God's commands, guess what? Your mind will malfunction. You'll, you'll do strange things and think strange things. And that's the fruit of sin. The answer is not a pill. The answer is not a couch. The answer is not Freud's psychosexual uh, psychosis theory. The answer is to repent. Confess Christ as Lord and follow Him as Lord. 
applying the Word of God prayerfully. Oh Lord, empower me to be anxious in nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to cry out to you that I might experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guarding my heart and mind through Christ Jesus for your glory, Lord, for your glory. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determined faith. Discipline determined faith. I'm, I'm going to discipline my flesh. I'm not going to give myself over to anxieties. I'm not going to be on a roller coaster of emotion. I'm going to discipline my flesh. I'm going to exercise faith, not fear. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to take one step further. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to find all the blessings, eternal blessings, spiritual blessings, and present blessings. And I'm going to fix my mind there. And I know, Lord then I will experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and you will guard my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determined faith. Next point, joy and thanksgiving and discipline determined thinking. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determined thinking. Verse 8, please with me. Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, I said in the last point that you don't have the right to feel whatever you want to feel. You don't. All your feelings need to be brought beneath King Jesus, your Lord, your Savior, your Master, the one that bought you because you're a doulos, a slave of Christ. You also do not have the right to think whatever you want to think. Your mind belongs to Christ. It must be conformed to Christ. It must come under the word of Christ. It must obey Christ. And you are the boss of you in that sense. You, you can't, well, that's just what I think. No, no. No, you need to cry out to God that He would renew your mind. And you need to submit your mind actively and willingly to the word of God. If God says it, it's true. If He says it, it's true. And you bring your heart and your mind beneath that. This verse, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, you must discipline yourself and determine to think truth. But where do you get truth? Where where do you get truth? Whatever things are true, meditate on these things. Where, Where do you get truth in this fallen world? Where do you get it? I've got good news for you, saints. I've got good news. You are the people of truth. Because we know the God of truth. Where do you get truth? What's the definition of truth, by the way? That which conforms to reality is the common definition. Truth is that which conforms to reality. But you've got a problem with that definition. Because who defines reality? So the fallen world says truth is that which conforms to reality. But you must go a step further as a believer. And even logically, even as non-believers, that doesn't... That doesn't give them a path to truth because reality is still undefined. Truth is that which conforms to reality as determined by God. Saints, God's Word says God is truth. Speaking of the Father. John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. The Spirit is the Spirit of Truth, our God is the God of truth. And without the God of truth, you have no truth. You have no truth. You have no path to truth, no path to certainty. We are the people of truth. And we should delight in that and rejoice in that. But saints, you've got to get a hold of that truth. You can't just know that as a fact. Well, God is truth. That's great. Get a hold of that truth. Get a hold of that truth. 
Because if you haven't gotten a hold of God's truth and letting God's truth get a hold of you, then you're still working and living and acting and feeling and thinking according to all sorts of lies, deceptions, errors, fallacies. Your mind must be renewed by the truth. And it's not a one-time deal. We tend to gravitate back toward sin, bad thinking, deception. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is truthful above all things, deceitful above all things, and desperately righteous. No, desperately wicked. (laughs) The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so we need to be sanctified. We need to be washed with the water of the Word. We need to have our minds renewed by God's Word. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to illumine that Word and to empower us to walk within it. So we need to go to the Scriptures continually and prayerfully that we might put off this junk software. I don't know who wrote this. It came from China or something. It's knockoff. I don't know what it is. It came from the fallen world. It came from the devil, the doctrines of demons. It came from fallen men and women. Get rid of that garbage software and get a hold of the truth from the God of truth. And then your heart will actually begin to respond rightly to the circumstances of life and not be on this perpetual roller coaster. Your emotions will not be on a perpetual roller coaster. Your thinking will will not be delusional. It will be sound as the Word of God renews your mind. Truth is not that which comports with what you want. Truth is not that which comports with what is trendy. Truth is not that which comports with whatever your professor at school says or whatever the Discover Channel says or whatever the talking head on your favorite news channel says or whatever the liberal newspaper says or whatever the blogosphere says or whatever the atheist, naturalist, materialist, humanist psychologist says or whatever the professing Christian psychologist who's adopted the atheistic, anti-Bible, anti-Christ, naturalist, materialist, humanist worldview of Freud, James, Jung, Maslow, Roger Skinner, and the gang says. None of that is truth. Truth is that which comports with reality as God defines reality. God is truth. Thus, truth is whatever God says is truth. We, dear saints, are a people of a revelational epistemology. Epistemology, the study of truth. What is truth? How do you get to truth? The world can't get to truth without the God of truth. But we We have a path, a direct path, the mediator, Jesus Christ. He who is what? Full of grace and truth. John 1.14. Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Don't miss the truth, saints. Don't short yourselves. Get the fullness of Christ, grace and truth. And let that truth renew your mind that you might have joy and thanksgiving in discipline determined thinking. Right as whatever God says is right. Wrong is whatever God says is wrong. Good is whatever God says is good. Bad is whatever God says is bad. Sin is what God says it is. The gospel is what God says it is. Hell is what God says it is. Heaven is what God says it is. Being a child of the devil is what God says it is. Being a child of God is what God says it is. Space, time, and matter are what God says they are. Men are what God says they are. Women are what God says they are. Sexuality is what God says it is. Marriage is what God says it is, and on and on we could go. And your mind needs to be renewed and committed 
to the truth in all these areas and more. And the blessings will flow, flow from right thinking according to God's truth. As Colossians 2, 3 says, in whom Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, saints, get the treasure. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. Get the treasure of heaven that has come down. The wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you, Colossians 2.4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, contrary to the treasure, contrary to the truth of Christ. This I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent of the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you, therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is not faith in the sense of you exercising faith, believing. This is faith in the sense of this is what you believe. Rooted and built up in Him, in Christ, and established in the faith. How did you receive Christ? As you received Him, So walk in Him. You received Him through the testimony of Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Continue in the Word of God. The Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation, 2 Timothy 3.15, and they're able to make you complete, thoroughly equipped, 2 Timothy 3.17. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Established in the faith, renewed in the mind. You've gotten a hold of His truth as you have been taught abounding in it with, guess where this is? With thanksgiving. Guess what getting a hold of the truth leads to? Thanksgiving. It sets you free from anxiety. Your faith explodes. Your faith grows exponentially as you get a hold of the truth. And then you're set free for continual faith-filled prayer and thanksgiving. Verse 8, Colossians 2.8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Beware, saints. Beware. The other means the world has, the means they offer. Here, take this. This will bring joy. Here, here is the path of joy. Perpetual self-reflection. Let's talk about your problems. Let's talk about how your mother failed you. Let's talk about how your, your father was closed off and, and kind of a quiet guy and, and how that hurt you. Blame it all on mom, dad, teacher, anyone, anyone, your siblings, anyone but you. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Beware, saints. Beware, many pretenders come. They come with the competing philosophies of Freud and James and Jung and Maslow, Rogers, Skinners, and the gang. Saints, we need the truth of God. One further word on the pseudo-science of psychology being brought into Christ's church, Christ plus psychology. The argument goes like this. All truth is God's truth. 
right? All truth is God's truth. And so psychology brings some truth to us for our blessing. And all truth is God's truth. Here's the problem. Is God's truth Freudian pronouncements of obsessive neurosis? Or is God's truth Jung's structure of archetypes? Or is God's truth Roger's ideas of human love? Or is God's truth the behaviorism of B.F. Skinner? Or is God's truth Ellis's rational emotive behavior therapy? Or is God's truth any one of the countless other psychological theories that are out there being exercised in the pseudoscience of psychology? Since there is not one standardized, one author writes, since there is not one standardized Christian psychology, each so-called Christian psychologist decides for himself which of the many psychological opinions and methods constitute his ideas of God's truth, quote-unquote, and so doing the subjective observations and biased opinions of mere mortals are placed on the same level as the inspired word of God. The Bible contains the only pure truth of God. And the Bible warns us, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to, to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Colossians 2.9, for in him, in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. That's the truth. That's the truth. So finally, brethren, Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Saints, you don't know what is noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtue, or praiseworthy without truth. Without the truth of God, you don't know anything. How dare us think or feel without truth? God's truth. I guarantee you, you will think and feel folly, erroneously, all over the map. You'll be on a perpetual roller coaster. And eventually, you ride the roller coaster long enough, guess what happens? You'll throw up. It makes you sick. Without the truth of God, you don't know what's noble, so you don't know what's ignoble. You don't know what... You can't define it. Without the truth of God, you don't know what is just, so you don't know what is unjust. Without the truth of God, you don't know what is pure, so you don't know what is impure. Without the truth of God, you don't know what is lovely. As beauty on a woman without discretion. It's like a ring in the nose of a swine and a swine's snout. Right? You don't know what is lovely. Oh, that's beautiful. That's not beautiful. Sadly, that young lady's dressed like a harlot. That's not beautiful. See, the Word of God defines truth. So what is lovely? Modesty is lovely. Not calling men's attention to oneself that they might lust after you. No, that's a nightmare. That's wickedness. There's so many ways that we err without God's truth. We have no concept of what is noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Virtue? What is virtue? Virtue yesterday, according to the people around me, was to be quiet while babies are ripped limb from limb. Be quiet. The virtue is quietness. I'm saying the virtue is love of neighbor. Thou shalt not murder. Why? Because God's word is true. If anything is praiseworthy, praiseworthy. What is praiseworthy? God defines what is praiseworthy. God defines what is shameful. And without God's word, we don't know these things. So, 
Having gone to God's word and gotten God's truth, we're prepared to discern what is noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. And now (coughs) we can meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Dwell on them. What aren't we to meditate on? All those things in that anxiety category. We're not to meditate on that. We're to pray on that, exercise faith, give that over to the Lord. Then we're to be thankful. We're to exercise thanksgiving. But what we're to think on, what we're to dwell on, which, mind you, means you can't dwell on the evening news. You can't dwell on the World Wide Web. You can't dwell on the fallen world perpetually. There are things to deal with, and you can righteously navigate the World Wide Web and the evening news, but you can't dwell on it. You can't fix your eyes there and feast on anxieties that flow from it. You need to dwell on truth, on nobility, on justice and purity and that which is lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. Fix your eyes there. Fix your heart there. Fix your mind there. Meditate on these things. Saints, this portion of Scripture will change your life. It'll change your life if you will get a hold of it and let it get a hold of you, if you'll cry out to God that He'll renew your mind with this truth, this truth in this singular section of Scripture, it's life-changing. Philippians 4, 1 through 8. But wait, there's more. Verse 9, final point. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determine living. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determine living. Verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determine living. Get up. Get your eyes off yourself. Get up. Stop yourself introspection, your perpetual navel-gazing, get up and get busy in the service of your king. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, do, and the God of peace will be with you. Get busy in the service of your Lord, and the God of peace will be with you. How then should we live busy about the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, busy in the mission of Jesus Christ. What are we to pattern our life after? Paul says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Look to Paul's life. Now, you, you're a mother, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a wife, you've got your, your career. You're not an apostle, but yet look to Paul's life as far as his heart and passion for the souls of men and the glory of God and the ministry of the gospel and emulate that life. These things do, and the God of peace will be with you. Live for something higher than, than the day, the moment, the next morsel of food, the next paycheck, the next hour, the next, the next wrinkle, the next pound on the scale. Live for something eternal. Souls, saints, are eternal. And the glory of God and the redemption of souls is eternal. Live for the mission of Christ. Heed the counsel of Paul to follow him as he follows Christ. Joy and thanksgiving and discipline determine living and the God of peace will be with you. The promise of God and it's true. All praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and your word. How glorious it is. How beautiful, Lord. Renew our minds. Change our hearts. Father, equip us for true Christian living full of joy and thanksgiving, Lord. We commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.